0: As technology, healthcare, and business continue to evolve at a rapid pace, trailblazers all over the globe are boldly stepping forward to change things for the better. They're pushing past boundaries in every area and charting a new path forward. There's no denying the world as we know it is in the midst of an epic transformation. Welcome to Present Day Pioneers, the podcast exploring the alternative models that are reshaping the way our society thinks, feels, and behaves. I'm your host, Jackson Bokenfor from Patino Payments. Thanks for joining me on this fascinating journey as we catch a glimpse of what the future holds. Now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the first ever episode of Present Day Pioneers. To kick off the series, we have two very special guests joining us on the show. Today, I'll be sitting down with the president and CEO of DC Bank, Jeff Smith, and the president and CEO of Patino Payments, Pamela Draper. Together, these two co-founded Patino Payments, as well as a cryptocurrency exchange, Bitvo. Jeff has a long career working in the Canadian payments industry and some great insights to share about the exciting changes happening right before our eyes. We'll be discussing the past, present, and future of the payments industry, the emerging technologies that are changing the game, and Jeff's predictions for the next five to ten years. Jeff and Pam, welcome to the show. For those listening who don't know Jeff or Pam, they are both very well decorated in the world of business, specifically banking. Jeff was CEO and president of Direct Cash Payments since 1997 to the sale of the company in 2017. Direct Cash is one of the largest ATM operators in the world with operations in Canada, New Zealand, Australia, UK, and Mexico. His hobbies include traveling and singing opera. Sound about right, Jeff?
1: That's very, very close. Other than the singing and
0: opera... <laughs> So we'll jump over to Pam. Pam Pam has been president and CEO of Patino Payments since its inception and has many years of investment banking experience that she brings to Patino and the world of payments. Jeff, I was wondering if I could bring the listeners back to before you entered the work industry. Who was Jeffrey Smith at age 15?
1: At age 15, I was refereeing hockey. I was going to high school at some point in time and hoping to get my
0: driver's license at age 16, probably so how do you get involved in banking then from somebody going from a referee how do you get involved in the industry of banking
1: well probably like the rest of us you know i started a career in um, convenience stores car washes laundromats home heating divisions uh, running gas stations and the like and in 1996 when i was running my gas stations um, on vancouver island CIBC moved a lot of my ATMs next door to 7-Eleven with a deal they'd done with 7-Eleven. And I immediately lost 10% of my sales. Very difficult to recover from. So I was happened to be in Chicago walking a trade show floor. And I see these guys selling these little ATMs. And I thought, oh, my God, that would be a fantastic thing to replace these things. that were just walking across the street. So I uh, started working on ATMs and I deployed those ATMs in my convenience stores, which were very attractive. Then I started an ATM company, Left Shell. And after that, I uh, worked with a partner to incorporate a bank because we felt a bank was needed for our base business. So that's how I got into banking, but from gasoline to banking.
0: Very interesting. So I guess that brings me to my next question then. What exactly is DC Bank? Well, DC Bank is Digital Commerce Bank, and we're really a payments business that,
1: has a banking charter, very a bit, a bit, quite a bit unique. Certainly in the Canadian market, you see a little more of this in uh, the international space. But our business is all about payments, processing payments uh, from e-transfers to eFTs to Mastercard Money Send or Interact e-Transfer, or sorry, yeah, Interact e-Transfer or Visa Direct. It's all about payments and prepaid cards, providing our clients, typically commercial clients, who have a
0: needs for a payments to to operate their payments business. Pam, same question to you. Let's jump back there. Where were you before investment banking?
2: So before I was in banking, I was actually just in school. I was recruited by CIBC uh, right out of university and joined them at the tender age of 21.
0: Age of 21. So let's jump back to Jeff's question. Where were you at age 15? Let's paint the picture before uh, all the banking came in.
2: At age 15, I was in high school, uh, and I was uh, pretty active in kind of all facets of it, whether it was sports um, or I played I played the piano. My parents were very focused on making sure I did everything I possibly could. Um, as you play of, the piano, Pam? I played the piano to the university level by the time I was in grade 10. <laughs>
0: there you go. New news to everybody.
2: Yeah. Hidden talents.
0: Pam, could you tell us the story of how you founded Bitvo and the overall mission of the company?
2: Yeah, so um, I'll start and then I'll let Jeff chime in because it was actually Jeff that, that came to me with the idea. But I was in, in banking still. I, I had transitioned to BMO where I had done a lot of work with Jeff's prior company, Direct Cash Payments. Um, and after the sale of Direct Cash Payments, uh, Jeff came to me and he said, you know, I've been watching the cryptocurrency space, and I think I'm going to get into it. All the players in the space, I believe in the technology, I believe in the potential, but the players in the space seem subpar in terms of security um, and ease of use. So what Jeff had decided, having been in, like you said, the payment space his entire career, he kind of viewed, and, and Jeff, you can correct me if I'm speaking for you, but viewed cryptocurrency as basically an extension of the payment space. Um, and also thought that given our backgrounds in banking and payments, we could get into the space uh, and do things more safely and more securely and give Canadian consumers a platform that they could trust and, and could easily get into cryptocurrencies, um, which at the time, four years ago and today, was quite an emerging space. So we got into the, um, got into the space to do that in early 2018, um, and part of that was really automating Not the crypto side of things, but the fiat side of things. That's something that hadn't really quite been done. So, Jeff and I and uh, the development team, we worked on a lot of the payment solutions that Potano uses today and and Direct Cash Payments uses today to automate payments into the BitBo platform, um, which we were able to resell to really any company that has a, uh, a website or mobile application.
1: When Pam and I started this business, the whole, as she says, the whole thing about it was, we saw the cryptocurrency space is no different than transaction processing, which is, and moving payments. It's moving money. It just happens to be another asset. For years, we'd moved money with ATMs worldwide. We saw just an opportunity, but then I saw the the incumbents in this business doing things that you just wouldn't normally see in a regular, in, in a mature business. You saw, you know, somebody wants their, they want to cash out of their cryptocurrency, but it would take weeks, if not sometimes months. And sometimes of course these people didn't get them their money. So the entire the business of Bitfo when we started was hey look this just makes a ton of sense. If somebody buys cryptocurrency or an asset, we make a transaction fee somehow. And when they sell that asset, you should get their money back. And you should make that as quick and seamless as possible for your client. That's exactly what BitSo and Pam and her team have been doing since 2018. And that's why they've been so successful is because they deliver on their promises. Like the, the whole thing was, we just want to do what you'd normally do in a payments business. Process the payment as quick as possible. And when we first started, as Pam pointed out, nobody had organized any of these things. And that was really groundbreaking. Pam did all of that, all that legwork, all figuring out how it all could happen. And all the work she's done is now table stakes for every other competitor. But BIFO was, in many cases, the first.
0: Right. I see. So, Pam, how is that approach different from other companies and why is it particularly needed right now? How does that differ from all the other PSPs or other exchanges that are out there?
2: Well, I think we were kind of at the the forefront of online payments that really sort of taking off. So previous companies that had websites or mobile applications really relied on Visa and MasterCard to process all of their payments. What we did was really kind of integrate into the Canadian banking system, which could be extrapolated more broadly into other geographies as well. But I think it's giving consumers the option to pay. In other methods, other than using a Visa or MasterCard, whether they want to use credit or maybe they don't even have access to credit, there's a whole swath of the population that might not have access to a Visa or MasterCard. So these direct bank integrations, I think they open up the consumer base to allow you to broaden your customer base if you have a website or mobile application, but they also benefit the population more broadly too by giving more people access we started doing this kind of four years ago. Along comes the pandemic in 2020, two years after we started the business. And now all of a sudden there's a real need for distance online payments. Everything for about a year stopped being in person. And the amount of online transactions and use of online websites and ordering goods and services online increased tenfold. So we were lucky in a way that we really ramped up this business prior to that taking off and ac- accelerating through the pandemic.
0: Right. So that market gap is there and growing at the same time. Jeff, I would say the same question goes to you. How could you explain DC bank to somebody who isn't as technically sound? How do they differ from traditional banks?
1: Digital commerce bank is, is really different from traditional banks. Traditional banks are, are primarily in the purpose of gathering deposits to lend them out for mortgages. Our, that's not our bank. Our bank does no lending. This bank does no lending. And our primary business is processing payments. So our clients are coming to us not for to put deposits in our bank, but to find ways to be efficient for them to process and integrate with their systems. So in a lot of our clients' spaces, we have developed specific unique business cases or use cases for, for their payments needs and built that out for them. So we're really a payments business with an IT background building unique bespoke products and then we're not a traditional bank in the lending sense we're a payments bank we move
0: your money fast and we build it into your systems i see so a lot faster than traditional banks and if you do need those products built out you have the option to do so that's right patino payments has seen significant growth development and success in a relatively short amount of time so what's the company's secret One of the main drivers of Patino's rapid growth was the fact that Pam and Jeff had the initial foresight to understand just how big the emerging world of online payments, in addition to cryptocurrency, was about to get. They cut themselves a piece of the pie at exactly the right time, but more importantly, they understood that online and automated payment solutions wasn't just the next big trend in finance. They saw it as a logical extension of the payments industry that would improve everyday life for Canadians. This was only exacerbated when the pandemic hit. Often, business success or even revolutionizing an industry comes down to impeccable timing, along with a little blood, sweat and tears, of course, or in Jeff's case, gasoline. Next, I asked Pam and Jeff about what makes them different from your average traditional bank and what their plans and predictions are for the future. So 20 years ago, where has the payments industry innovation in Canada gone I think it's interesting the payments innovation in Canada. You
1: have to appreciate in Canada there's a, a limited number of financial institutions. So there's there's what you call the big five in Canada: RBC, TD, BMO, CIBC, and the like. And the real starting of innovation in Canada was with the deregulation of Interact in 1997 where the Competition Bureau said, hey, listen, it's not appropriate that only financial institutions should be members. And in 97, there was a landmark case where Interact agreed to be deregulated, allowed non-financial institutions to be members. That allowed bank machines to be deployed by others, other members to join Interact, to be acquirers and do other things, like process transactions. Before it was all the banks, it was a very tight knit group. And you're seeing this happen more and more today and that that's taken since 1997 that's you know 20 years was 2017 you know call it 24 years from now but we're seeing this resurgence of this as technology is really evolving things like open banking which is allowing others to access your banking platform if your banking information if you'd like like other banks to offer you better deals and services this is an international phenomenon we've seen in uh Europe and Australia. Another thing that's happening is, uh, you know, fintechs—the high growth of fintechs offering unique transaction and processing services for clients, from expense cards to Uber. It's a—that's a financial app for for taxi drivers. All of those interesting things are being really deployed because technology is growing so fast. So I think the deregulation of interact the political pressure that is being put on to make sure that there's more competition in the space from banking. And then the growth in technology is really the three things I would point to that have been really positive in the banking sector over the last 20 years and technology in the last
0: sort of five. So you're a proponent for um, competition in the industry, I would say.
1: Well, sure.
0: like I don't want any competition in my business, no. I know, but when you have other, if you have other companies that are also innovating, that could spark you to innovate different products as well.
1: Like, listen, technology has built great businesses that have opened up new segments of the market and competition, right? I think that we're a small bank and our clients, you know, we're, we're providing options to our clients that can't get those options in other places. So we're competitive in nature and I think, Competition drives innovation. So innovation is driving competition. As some of these young fintechs are creating innovation, they're creating real value to Canadian consumers and worldwide consumers. So, yes, I think competition is good, but I would love it if it was not for me.
2: But I also think you are the competition to the way banking has been done in Canada for arguably maybe too long, Jeff.
1: Oh, for sure. Like, I, I think you know we're always rallying against, you know the old way of doing things. How does it have to be done? Why does it have to be done that way? What's the challenge? And I think there's some great businesses out there that have made some great inroads in building their businesses by challenging the norm. And we're trying to challenge the norm. I see Pam and her business trying to challenge the norm. You know the 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 cryptocurrency space is very difficult to bank today, but PAM is abiding by the same, typically the same rules that financial institutions are. But it's very difficult to bank. She's fighting against the institutions that are distributing dollars, green dollars, red dollars, whatever you want to call them.
2: More broadly than that, Jeff, it's not even just cryptocurrency. It's MSBs broadly are, are fighting the same fight that uh, against more traditional financial institutions as well. It's hard to bank an MSB. It's hard to bank a, a PSP like potato. We kind of all struggle in the same regard with that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very hard to, you know, find a home for your banking operation. It's a relationship-based business, which leads to opportunity. And it also leads to, you know, improvements in the base business because the ones that are in that business do the best job.
0: Awesome. So we've talked about the, the past and the present a little bit. I'd like to talk about the future as well as what are APIs? Some of our viewers, once again, they may not be technically sound in this aspect. So Pam, I was wondering if you could tell us exactly what are APIs and why are they important to finance?
2: Sure. Uh, so API stands for Application Program Interface. And it essentially allows for the development and the automation of not, we use it for payment solutions. Um, but it could be used in development broadly for online platforms, mobile applications. It allows things, I would say, and then I'd like Jeff's take on this, to automatically and electronically speak to each other without human intervention is how I would describe it to someone who didn't know anything about it. But maybe, Jeff, you have. I think that's 100% right, Pam. I, I think
1: a simple explanation is these are electronic handshakes, secure electronic handshakes. So, I'm going to be a little you know, facetious here, but you know the handshake where you tickle your finger? Well, in particular, like when you shake my hand, Jackson, because that's the way you do it. I'm kidding. But they are secure electronic handshakes. And this allows the transition and transaction of data without human intervention, as Pam said. So it really speeds up banking and transaction processing, because what you do is you have the third party system say, hey, I'm halfway through the job that this client is doing, but I know that I'm going to have to process this transaction with Digital Commerce Bank or potato or, or somebody else. I'm gonna send an API call to say, get ready, this is coming to you. And the client's interface, they don't see it happening. It's just a secure handshake, electronic handshake in the background. It's been very innovative. You know, the, the old precursor to this are scripts, XMLs, you know, sign-ons, but through technology growth and security, you're able to do this securely now, and right out in the open. So it's a really, really unique offering, and what most payments businesses are exposing for their clients, so they can build their applications into their client's business,
2: I would say the key benefits are uh, speed, as Jeff mentioned, and security. So, security because you remove human intervention. Instead of having a team member have to receive this message or transaction from a client and manually post it to a particular account, it all happens in an automated fashion. So, it goes much more quickly and it is ultimately much more secure, but then also saves time and money for the business as well.
1: And, and I'll use an example. I, I think of uh... You know, when I was 15, the question you asked me earlier, I used to have a little passbook. You know, I get my allowance or my referee money and I put it in the bank and I go to the bank and I give them my passbook and they would up, they'd run it through the printer. I get it back and there I got like 140 bucks. Well, today, that is an API message that you can import and it could be part of your application. It could be very, very simple, Right. So no need to run to the bank, no need to get your little passbook. All of those things are automated today. And a
0: passbook is the oldest example that you would see. Did you have a passbook, Jackson? I don't think I even know what a passbook is, honestly. <laughs> even I didn't
1: have a passbook.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I have
1: just aged
0: myself. <laughs> <laughs> Impressive, though. We'll, uh, we'll take that back for the listeners to see if they've had past books as well, maybe if they're over the age of 50. <laughs> um, I was wondering if on that note, um, if you had any other exciting new technologies going forward. I know it's kind of a broad question, but is there something that you would like to see shape the payments industry going forward? That's a question going to both you guys.
2: The way I think about it is in in terms of some of the bigger challenges we face today um, is fraud detection and prevention. So I think any technology that works to better assist with fraud detection and prevention um, is something that would be really beneficial to the space. One of the, um, the tools that we see here is AI and facial recognition. So, um, When you're authenticating a user, whether it's on your iPhone or you're on an online web platform, instead of just entering credentials, which could be compromised, um, actually being required to view and scan uh, someone's face.
1: Yeah, I I would say that, you know, there there needs to be more innovation and acceptance of new technologies. And and that's an example, I think, that could assist in, in fraud prevention. But I think it's also an argument why. Cryptocurrency shouldn't be there because you should have a trusted third party in between, like a bank. So I think, I think what I'd really like to see is more innovation and openness of new business opportunities for the financial institutions. So I think many of the banks need to think about how is this, and, and the central banks. Like I, I was reading yesterday that uh, the central banks... Are considering having a cryptocurrency central central bank digital currency to settle amongst all the direct members, and that would be a tremendous savings. Like I think they quoted a hundred million or a hundred, you know, a huge savings amount. So I, I think they that my comment would be is study something and then make a decision relatively fast. And I think at the speed of technology, technology speeded up so fast in the last twenty years. I think we need to speed up the the speed in which we we react in the market sense. So I'm not sure that cryptocurrency should replace the Canadian dollar, but cryptocurrency isn't going anywhere and we should bank it and we should have rules and regulations and figure a way to do it quickly. You
0: know, That would be my comment. You know, I, I think innovation and, and just pushing things along a lot faster. Pam, jumping back to Patino payments, uh, what's next for you and the team at Patino?
2: So for, for us, I think it's exactly what you just talked about, Jackson developing new technologies, and then also um, broadening our reach in terms of our consumers. We were officially founded just over a year ago. Uh, we've ramped up very quickly, uh, but I think there's a ton of opportunity, both in the Canadian market. And then I think we'll look more broadly, too. The team at Patino emanates from banking as well as the direct cash payments former uh, team. And direct cash payments, when we think about where they had operations and therefore the team has decent knowledge in terms of the regulatory environment, but also the banking environment. Um, as we look to expand outside of Canada, I think we would look to leverage that knowledge in areas like the UK, Australia, potentially Mexico.
0: Awesome. And I think that about brings us to the end of the show. But before we do end the show, Pam, where can people contact you if they do need these solutions that Patino has to offer?
2: So the website is patino.com, So P-A-T-E-N-O.com. You can also find me on, on LinkedIn and, and reach out to me directly there.
0: Awesome. And Jeff, you have a very interesting story. Are you going to be publishing a memoir anytime soon? I uh, know, but I appreciate the, are you willing to, uh, you know, write it down? I don't, I think I lead a pretty boring life, Jackson. I'll write it down and I'll be the first purchaser of the book. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, if if anybody's looking for me, of course they can find me on LinkedIn,
1: be pleased to talk to anybody. And, uh, our webpage is www.dcbank.ca or of course, uh, my email is jeff at dcbank.ca. But pleased to, you know, chat to anybody. And I I think there's a tremendous opportunity for payments in Canada and globally. You know, this is a great opportunity.
0: All right, everybody. You heard them. Thanks for uh, tuning in and catch you on the next episode. Jeff and Pam, thank you again. What a great conversation with Pam and Jeff, I hope you took away something valuable from our discussion. Here are a few key insights that stood out to me. Very often, success comes down to having great business instincts, a strong work ethic, and impeccable timing when it comes to emerging trends. Jeff and Pam were wise enough to catch onto the tidal wave of crypto early on, and make a name for Patino Payments in the space as a result. Companies like Patino Payments are democratizing the payments industry. As Pam mentioned, there are still large portions of the population that may not have access to a Visa or MasterCard, so alternative online payments are making the entire industry more accessible and expanding the pool of consumers everywhere. Lastly, the banking sector is undergoing some major changes right now. As technology continues to evolve, we're seeing more opportunities for healthy competition, fair access to personal banking data, and a boost in innovation. The industry will continue to evolve in the coming years as technology gains momentum. But for now, we seem to be off to a great start. Thanks for listening to Present Day Pioneers. I hope you learned something valuable from today's episode and that you're feeling inspired to forge forward boldly into a better future. I'm your host, Jackson Bokenfor. Be sure to tune in for the next episode and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast.